here. Um, I feel like you um, like give me a space to just share and, uh, and encourage you what um, the Holy Spirit's been teaching me, and, and I don't take that lightly. I, it's, a, it's, it's really an honor and a joy to be up here. Um, and, and you know, to me, one of the most important things I can do whenever I get this opportunity to come up here to teach is beforehand, I like to really reflect on what I think like the overall um, spiritual health of our church is. Um, and so uh, what I mean by that is, is when I get the opportunity to come up here on Sunday morning, I'll spend uh, the time during the week um, kind of asking the Holy Spirit to lead me to draw things out of the text that really speaks to areas in our life um, in our spiritual health as a body, um, not just as like believers as a whole, but specifically like I know lots of you well, and uh, you know me well, and we're friends, and like we, we know what's going on in each other's lives, and we know we're we're spiritually unhealthy, and so I, I I love when the Holy Spirit kind of asks me to gently nudge and encourage us to press into those areas of spiritual unhealth on Sunday mornings, and and um, you know the the passage we're going to be talking about today is really. Um, it's perfect. It's not like I skipped ahead to something that I felt. This was the next, literally the next two verses after. So last week, um, Scott talked about Father's Day and kind of deviated from Mark a tiny bit. But the week before that, Otto um, was talking about uh, John the Baptist becoming beheaded. And literally, like the next section of Mark, we have two verses, three verses actually in there, that I think um, is going to speak to an area of spiritual health in our congregation um, that we need to hear about. And, and the reason we need to hear about it is simply because we are all human beings living in 2017, right? And that means that we are living in the most consumer-driven, like, hyper-productivity, um, hyper-connectivity, like, time and age in all of history, in all of history, right? So I know that our spiritual health around the discipline of holy rest is probably not great, Right? Probably not great. Our rhythms of work and rest are definitely out of whack. Um, and it doesn't help that we're living in a country and in a culture and time that's constantly pushing us way beyond like healthy human function. Right? Humans are not machines. Even though our culture is blurring that line more and more every day. So creating a healthier spirituality that involves the concept of holy rest, it's going to feel a little awkward and a little uncomfortable. And it's going to be difficult, frankly, because, like, truthfully, it's the most un-American thing there is, right? And, like, we, most of us, I think all of us, except for maybe Claudia back there, grew up in this culture. So we're, in some ways, good and bad byproducts of America, right? And, and this idea of holy rest, it just goes against everything that we grew up with. Right? Because in America, we have a cult celebration of busyness. We love busy people. We love telling people how busy we are. Right? We think that by keeping busy, we're like adding meaning to the world. We find our identity in our work and in our busyness. Right? We've let the nuances of this hyper-connected, hyper-productive, busy-body society seep into our everyday normal functions. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I have a few questions to you. Just think about them to yourself. Let's take a little gauge of our spiritual health around this idea of work-rest balance and holy rest. So just think of these to yourself. Answer truthfully, okay, because no one's judging. All right? What is the very first thing you reach for when you wake up in the morning? You reach for. The very first thing. Is it a gentle touch of your spouse? 
Is it a glass of water? Is it your Bible? Is it a pat of your child's head? Or is it your smartphone? Okay, just think about it. You don't have to, just think about it. Do you answer work calls or emails while you're eating dinner with family or friends? Do you check text messages regularly while you're playing with your kids? During your day, do you check Facebook or Twitter before you have a single meaningful interaction with your family or your friends? How many times when people ask you, hey, how are you doing? Do you respond by in some way talking about how busy you are? Right? I think if all of us answer those things truthfully, like it's a no-duh like, gauge that spiritually we're unhealthy around the idea of rest. Now, America does have this really well-loved tradition of days off in the weekend, right? Everybody's working for the weekend, right? Like, in America, that's a celebrated thing. Thank you. All right? Um, In America, that's a really celebrated thing. But deep down, if you think about it, right, having days off is in no way a suitable substitute for the gift of holy rest, right? Now, it is true that in some parts of the world... Right, slowly, culture is changing a little bit around this idea of work and rest because people are realizing there's been a lot of scientific studies and research. Um, there's been a lot of data about just the number of antidepressants being prescribed. Like people are realizing slowly um, that hyperproductivity and hyperconnectivity and hyperconsumerism, like they're not healthy for human function. Right? They're not healthy for us emotionally. They're not healthy for us physically. They're not healthy for us spiritually. Um, for example, I listened to this NPR interview recently about this law they passed in France. And France actually has a culture that's a little more enlightened on the idea of work-rest balance. Um, and so they recently passed this law. I, I recorded it. Let's take a quick listen to this NPR interview real fast. Plenty of vacation, a 35-hour work week. Who wouldn't want to work in France? Well, if you have doubts, maybe this next bit of news will convince you. A new law gives French employees the right to disconnect from work after hours. As of January 1st, many companies can no longer encroach on workers' personal and family time. In Paris, Eleanor Beardsley reports. This video from a career management company's website shows a father reading Little Red Riding Hood to his daughter while he continues to take work calls. Then he mistakenly calls his boss the Big Bad Wolf. The ad is funny, but staying connected to your job 24-7 is not, says labor lawyer Patrick Thiebaud. Because if an employee receives emails during all their weekends and and at night until 11 p.m., then I can assure you that at a certain point in time, it can impact the employee's health. The French government says more and more people are working way too many hours because they cannot disconnect from the office. The new law stipulates that companies with more than 50 workers must come up with a policy to enable their employees to disconnect. It's a difficult issue, says Thiebaud, because the digital culture also gives freedom and flexibility. Everybody is happy with the smartphones and the new technology because actually for employees they can work at home, they don't have to spend time, they don't have to spend money in commuting. For companies it's great because they can uh, also save money 
Parisians are working up a sweat after a day at the office at this gym in the 15th arrondissement. Jean-Luc Bochet is lifting weights, but he's still connected to his smartphone. He says it's a great idea to be able to disconnect, but... No, it's not possible because... Because it would be contrary to an evolution. The law won't work, he says, because it's counter to the way society is evolving. Boucher says most people don't dare to disconnect because they're frightened they'll miss something. Eleanor Beardsley, NPR News, Paris. Okay, so that segment is really fascinating to me, mainly because of what the gentleman says right there at the very end. Right? He says, the law won't work. Because it's counter to the way society is evolving. Most people don't dare to disconnect because they're frightened they'll miss something. Right? They're frightened they'll miss something important. Frightened that they'll miss a chance to make another dollar or get a new Instagram like or catch up on folding laundry. As humans, we are definitely unhealthy when it comes to rest. And that leads us to our passage in Scripture this morning. So let's take a look as we're journeying through Mark. This is Mark chapter 6. Verses 30 through 32. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles were too busy to even eat. So together they left on a boat heading for a quiet place. So let's set the context a tiny bit. If you remember... Right? Um, what happened, bef- so right before this, there's a little, you know, Tim verse passage about John the Baptist being beheaded. But before that, Jesus had just sent his disciples out two by two. Right? So they are out in the villages surrounding Nazareth. They're spreading the good news of the kingdom. Right? They're saying the kingdom is here. Repent. Like, change your mind about what, what Messiah means and what kingdom means and what, what life means even. And, uh, and he empowers them to, like, love and to serve. And they're ministering to all these people. And they're casting out demons. And, and they're doing all this really hard, good work. And so both the Jesus and the disciples, they've been on this, like, road tour. Right? And they all come back and, um, and they share all the amazing things that have happened, right? So imagine this with me, right? The gang is out for a little bit. They all come back together and, and, uh, and they've been sharing all these amazing stories where they're talking about people's lives changing and, and entire families changing and maybe entire villages changing, right? So there's a lot of momentum going on in this Jesus thing, right? You have to remember, like, these guys gave up their entire history of life to follow this person, okay? And also, like, I've talked about this before, and you probably know this, but Jesus was not the first person in this time to say, hey, I'm the Messiah, come follow me. There were actually a lot of people who claimed to be the Messiah. And what would happen is they'd get some followers, and they'd do some stuff, and then that person would die. And that was it. And everyone was like, well, we just wasted months or years, 
Right? So these guys are familiar with this idea of, well, here's another person, but there was something different about Jesus. And so they decided that the risk was worth it. So they gave up everything right, to follow and be all in with this person. Right? And, and so they're betting their entire future that this Jesus thing better, like, better be good. And so when they come back and share all these stories, I bet they are pumped. There is some really good momentum. This ball is like rolling downhill fast. And, and the group think is probably like, man, let's strike while the iron is hot. Let's keep this thing going. We don't want to stop this momentum. We got a good thing going here. Let's keep going farther, faster, better, beyond. Right? That's human nature. When we have a ton of momentum, like in our family or in our business or um, like in our passions or hobbies or in our finances, right? We want to keep it going. We want to keep pushing. We want to strive to take it higher and farther. But what does Jesus tell the disciples? He says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Jesus rested. Jesus, Jesus rested. It wasn't just like, hey, you guys go off to, it was like, hey, us together, let's go off to a quiet place and rest a while. Jesus understands the holiness of rest. And this isn't the only time he rested. Like, all throughout his life and ministry, Jesus rests, like, regularly. It's a regular thing for him, right? And that's not, and it's not even new with Jesus, right? It only takes one page when you open the Bible to find rest, right? Jesus has been doing this for all of history. He speaks creation into being, works really hard for six days to create everything out of his incredible imagination. And then God himself, the creator... Right? Steps back, says, it's good, and he rests. God doesn't have to rest, but he does. But Noel, listen, like there are so many dishes and the kids, and God rested. Okay, but Noel, like, I got to find more clients and book more appointments because we're not going to make it this month. Jesus rested. Okay, but no, listen, like, ministry is good work, right? And so I have this friend, and he's really hurting, and God rested. Now, this Greek word here used is the word anapao. And, and this Greek word is used a lot of times in many different forms all throughout the New Testament to describe rest. But the really cool thing in studying this Greek word anapao is that its concept, scripturally, is pulled from two Hebrew words, or two equivalent Hebrew words, okay? And, and since we're talking about rest, it makes sense that the first Hebrew word that this concept of anapao is derived from is the Hebrew word Shabbat. Everyone say Shabbat. Shabbat, right? That's where we get our word Sabbath. Right? Shabbat. Okay? And Shabbat, in its most basic definition, is just to cease from doing. To stop. Stop it. All the to-do lists, all the, just, just stop. Just be. Be still. Right? That's what Shabbat means. But it's the second word, as I was doing some study with this, that is really interesting in this concept of holy rest. And that's the word balag. Everyone say balag. Yeah. Balag is a Hebrew concept word meaning to delight. To burst into joy. Literally, to smile. But not just smile. Like, smile from ear to ear. Like, you are so just delighted in celebration that you cannot help but grin from ear to ear. So, Anapau, holy rest, is this idea of Sabbath, Shabbat, ceasing. But not just that, but also delighting. Delighting, celebrating. 
See, that's what sets it apart from cheap substitutes like a day off or a two-week vacation. Right? On our days off in America, let's think about it. What do we do? We go shopping. We get brunch. We check out the hip new coffee shop in downtown Austin or San Antonio. We catch up on work chores or home chores. Right? Or we sit on the couch and we consume a lot of television or sports. Or we get on our phone. Or we get on our laptop. None of these things are inherently bad. right? They're not all inherently bad. But here's the deal. All the typical ways of resting that we do in America, what are they built around? They're still built around consumption. They're still built around the idea of getting and having more and more and more. So don't you see this ugly spiral we get in then with both work and rest, right? We already admitted that we're working more than ever before, right? We have an, our office in our back pockets with this all the time, right? Now, I'm young. I'm not that old. But I still remember the concept of going to the office, right? I didn't have to do it because I was, you know, a kid. But I remember my parents would go to the office and then they'd come home. But now, because of smartphones, the office is with us 24-7. In a lot of, like, high-demand jobs, you're expected to be on call 24-7, Like, if you have an email at 10 p.m. at night from your boss, you better answer that thing, or a text message, or a phone call. Right? Also, there's, like, this this celebration of productivity, life hacks. That's, like, a really hip thing right now in America. How can we hack our lives, hack our schedules to be more productive, more efficient? Right? So we're working more than ever before, but also, when we're resting, we're consuming more than ever before. Right? We're gathering more stuff. We're snapping more Instagram photos. We're visiting more locations. We're partaking in more parties. We're viewing more and more content. We can't stop. We can't Shabbat. And we can't delight because we don't want to disconnect. We're too frightened we're going to miss out on something that we think is important. You see, the real thing, all those things, they're just cheap knockoffs of holy rest. The real thing, holy rest, it looks kind of like this, okay? This is kind of, it's not a magic formula, but this is like a a pattern I see all throughout Scripture, right? It goes like this. You've been working very hard for days. You've been living out the gospel in your neighborhood, at work, in your family, right? You're joining in with God and helping to restore creation back to its garden state, And now you're tired, you're thirsty, you're hungry, you're physically and spiritually and emotionally spent. But you have a choice to make. You keep going or you humble yourself and admit that you're not a machine. Right? You acknowledge that all this momentum of the week is meaningless if your soul is barren and dry. So, you and a close group of loved ones decide to purposefully purposefully schedule a regular time to cease, to Shabbat, from the to-do lists, from the rat race. You disconnect from consumerism. Instead, you practice gratitude. You find a quiet place where you can delight, smiling from ear to ear, in the refreshment and the restoration of being with Jesus. You realize that the Sabbath time of holy rest is actually the most important time you can engage in in all of life, right? All of the week is leading up to it. Sabbath isn't like, get do this so that I can begin to do this. Sabbath is the goal, 
Sabbath is the fulfillment of good, holy work. Everything is leading up to the Sabbath. You see, that's a scriptural recipe for holy rest. That right there is an actual gift that I think if humanity took it, we would find that it's a cure for our busyness and hyperconnectivity. So family, what does this look like practically? Okay, So that's the fun part. Um, you know when I come up here, we're always going to do some, some group stuff. Um, so we're going to think through this together. We're going to begin this conversation together this morning of planning our next time of holy rest. Right This morning, right now. So the Hebrews had this really cool and beautiful rhythm of work and rest where they would actually spend a day planning and preparing for the Sabbath. So the sixth day in the, Holy, in the Hebrew week was called Preparation Day. And Preparation Day was literally a day doing everything and finishing everything so that you could fully engage and be in the Sabbath. So we're going to kind of do something like that. I'm not asking that on Friday or Saturday or Tuesday or whenever, you know, you is that you find that you're, you're holy time. I'm not asking that the day before you always prepare. But right now, this morning, we're going to do that. We're going to do some preparation day stuff. We're going to brainstorm and we're going to think and we're going to come and, and admit to each other, we're not machines. We need this time of holy rest. And we're going to be creative with it, right? So all of us in here... Um, came as like a family unit or as like, like we know each other as friends, okay? So um, we're, what's going to happen in a little bit is we're going to get together in our family units or our close group of friends or roommates or whatever, and, and you're going to actually be creative and think about planning and preparing and scheduling your next time of holy rest, right? Now, some of you may be wondering, like, okay, well, what do we actually come up with? Like, what kind of practical things might we plan? So I do have a few suggestions just to get your brainstorming juices flowing. These are just suggestions. You can take them or leave them. But they're important. To to me, these are suggestions that I know personally um, my spiritual health would benefit from. And I think a lot of you are like me. And so these are just some suggestions that might get you um, thinking of of stuff that would fit your family. So number one, um, if a time period of 24 hours is just way too intimidating for you off the bat, just start with 12. I'd rather you do 12 hours than no hours at all, okay? Now, we want to build it to an entire day period, an extended period of time of rest, but don't just say, you know what, I can't take off a whole day, so I'm not going to do anything. Start with 12 hours if 24 hours is too much. Number two, if you can, like, sleep in. Sleep in. Sleep is really holy. And for some of us to have small kids and sleeping in isn't really an option right now, get creative with your spouse or with whoever is taking care of your kids with you and, like, schedule naps, okay? Sleep is an important thing in a time of holy rest. Number three, let's, like, try disconnecting. Shut off your phone, your iPad, your computer, no internet for an extended period of time. It would be awesome if we could go all in and, like, during our Sabbath, during our holy rest, we don't do it that at all. But I know for some of you, that's going to be too much to begin with. So set an extended period of time and shut everything off. Number five, practice gratitude on this day or during this time. So instead of complaining or talking about wanting this or wanting that or wanting to buy this, instead, just constantly declare your gratitude and thanks for what you have and for what God is doing in your life. Number six, this one's important for me because I can, I can tend to just stay inside and, and be a, an inside person all day. Um, I think it's important to get outside during your time of, of holy rest and enjoy God's creation. There's 
um, obvious health benefits to being in the sunlight, to being active, whether it's riding your bike with your family or taking a hike. Um, But I think spiritually it's really healthy for you as well. Number seven, this is going to be a hard one, but I think it's really fun. Don't worry about checking the time. Like, turn your phone off, take a watch off, don't even look at a clock, right? There's this really cool thing in our day where there's daytime and nighttime. You'll notice this, right? It's like we kind of know what to do based on what it looks like outside. So when it's daytime, then you get to be active and you can rest in your activity. When it's nighttime, you can calmly and peacefully, whenever God's telling you you're tired, go to sleep, enter sleep. Don't worry about schedules or like, like just enjoy the day and don't worry about the hours, the time. Let's see. Uh, number eight, um, engage with media. So like music, movies, TV, books, carefully. Okay, I'm not saying don't do it because I do it, but do it carefully, right? I would say don't engage with it if it's going to make you anxious or stressed or make you want to step back in to that hyper-consumerism. It's going to make you want to go visit a place or want to try this or like only engage in it if you're going to do it by looking for the beautiful kingdom things kind of ruminating underneath, all right? Number nine, limit yourself in running errands and doing chores, Now, this may mean doing a little bit more work the day before, the preparation day, right? If you decide, for example, Kate and I usually have a rhythm of doing our our Sabbath, our our holy rest from Friday at dinner to like Saturday midday, okay? So if that means that Friday in the morning or Thursday, we need to finish doing the dishes and doing the laundry and all this stuff so that we can actually Sabbath, then do that. That's okay. There's a, like a formula, there's not formula, there's a pattern, there's a history of that in scripture, But try to limit the actual running around town doing errands, checking your bank accounts, doing house chores, and your day of holy rest. Number 10. This is one that we can all agree on. Eat good, healthy, life-giving food slowly. No fast food. And do it around a table with people you love. There's something beautiful and life-giving about table fellowship. Even if this is the only time in your week that you're actually at the dinner table with your family, do it on that day. Number 11, practice communion. So when you're at the dinner table with whatever you have, wine, beer, water, bread, uh, asparagus, broccoli, whatever you have, that's the body and that's the blood. Practice communion right there. Number 12, don't worry about buying things or selling things, right? Unless it's good, healthy, life-giving food. I'm a, you know, I think God will be okay with us like going to a nice place and enjoying um, healthy, life-giving food around a table. Number 13, um, don't confuse Sabbath with date night or Sabbath with a night on the town, right? They're both important. Date night is really important. A night out with your friends is really important, but it's not the same thing as Sabbath. It's a cheap knockoff, okay? So try to find time where you can do both, but don't confuse the two. They're not the same I only have a few more. And these are just suggestions. These are just to get your juices flowing. Number 14, don't spend time during your holy rest preparing or planning things for the next week. Right? Don't spend time writing your new to-do lists or fixing your chore wheels. Just simply delight in the day. Right? All the planning, all the scheduling, all the financing, that can wait. That can wait till tomorrow. Okay? And then the last one um, is... Don't get all legalistic with it, right? So we are living in the new covenant. We're no longer bound 
by this law of Sabbath that was given to the Israelites. I don't think God's going to be really upset with you. George, you are not resting. I'm mad at you. And this isn't something that's going to earn you more of God's favor. Right? Sabbath, holy rest, is now no longer really this command. It's this gift. It's this beautiful gift. It's meant for us. Sabbath was made for man. Right? So we can take it or we can leave it. But I think deep down, we know that there is this imbalance in our work, in our rest, and that we feel unhealthy. So let's, let's trust that this gift of holy rest is a good one. And then I would say, if you're going to trust that it's a good one, let's go all in with it. Don't just put one foot in and say, well, okay, I'll kind of holy rest. No, let's go all in with it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's very un-American, but I think it's going to be worth it for us. Okay, so um, those are like just some suggestions, right? Use some of them if you want. Adapt some of them. You know your family. You know the spiritual health of your family, right? We've talked about what holy rest is and what it's not. I trust that the Holy Spirit will kind of work through you creatively to come up with some cool traditions or some cool things that will work in your family. So here's what we're going to do. Get in, a, in you know, your unit, whether it's your family or your friends or roommates um, or people. Um, Eric, not to call you out, but your wife's not here. But you spend Sabbath regularly with us, with Kate and I. So maybe if you want to get in a group with us, that would be cool. And, and we're just going to do a few things. One, let's pray and confess first to each other that, like, too often we take pride in being busy and being workaholics and, and whenever we rest in consuming. Let's confess to each other, confess to Jesus that we're always trying to do more and we need to stop that. Let's do that first, right? Then let's go to the Lord's table together as our family unit. Let's go to the Lord's table and let's just remember and admit to ourselves, declare to ourselves that's only because of the work and rest rhythm of God, the work and rest of Jesus, that we can even partake in this gift of rest. And then whenever you're back from the Lord's table, let's spend like eight minutes or so and let's do some planning and preparing. I want you to schedule your next time of holy rest. I want you to talk about some things that you will do, some things that you won't do. Don't get legalistic, but make it, put it down on paper or on your phone, or if someone has really great memory, that's fine. But let's actually prepare for it so that when it's time to come, we can get on the boat with Jesus and go away for a while to a quiet place and not feel the temptation to keep the momentum going. Okay? Are we cool? Everyone know what we're doing? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. Um, I love you. I will um, come back up here in like 10 minutes or so and pray for us, and then we can go pick up our kids and everything. Um, But first, let's get together, pray, confess, Lord's table, plan for our Sabbath. All right? Thank you, guys.